Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As Christians, Jesus Christ should be the biggest, ever-growing priority in our lives. The influence of Jesus on our lives needs to be greater and greater, while the world's influence becomes less and less. Let's open our Bible now to John chapter 3 and learn this incredible principle that He must become greater and I must become less. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday afternoon here in Texas and uh, excited to just be getting into the Word of God, just getting into the scriptures and just digging in and uh, just seeing what what the Lord has for us. Um, hopefully y'all are doing well, spending time with Jesus. That's what it means to be doing well. Spending time with with Jesus. That's what doing well means. If you're not spending time with Jesus, you're not doing well. If you are spending time with Jesus, making Jesus a greater priority in every aspect of your life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally, Jesus needs to become a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger priority and um, everything else that I give myself to and that we give ourselves to needs to become a smaller and smaller and smaller priority, right? Obviously, we still need to go and do our jobs and work and do the responsibilities that, that we know that we have to do with regard to our work and our families and all that. But, um, you know, we want to prioritize spending time with Jesus, spending time in the scriptures, in our Bible, meditating on the scriptures, studying the scriptures, um, certainly obeying the scriptures, spending time in thanksgiving and praise and worship to Jesus, um, and uh, spending time, of course, in prayer, right? Um, and just talking to Jesus, uh, seeking him, seeking to be with him. Obviously, in prayer, we we, we ask for things from our Lord, Um and, but sometimes it's just nice to be with him, right? When you just go to your heavenly father, sometimes it's just nice to seek his face and his presence um, and not just his hand for what he can give to us, right? So let's just keep running after Jesus. So we're about to finish up John chapter three here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I don't think we'll get through it today, but we're gonna pick up in verse 22. Uh, last time we fit, we got through verse 21. So today we're going to go 22 to, uh, I don't know, somewhere around uh, 30. So I'll go ahead and read it and we will get rolling. Verse 22, John chapter 3. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anan near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, 
he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Verse 27, to this John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. Verse 30, he must become greater and I must become less. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. You see that verse 30? He must become greater and I must become less. John is speaking about Jesus. And as I've, I just said it a few minutes ago, right? That Jesus must become greater and greater in our lives in every way. He must become a greater priority in our lives, right, Matthew? Um, just again, our lives, Melanie, are about living for Jesus, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus. There's nothing more important than that, right, Rap? So we just want to continually give ourselves to Jesus. He must become greater. He has to become more and more and more in our lives. And the more that that happens, the more we'll grow in our relationship with him and in our intimacy with him, the more we prioritize him. And of course, that's the case of any relationship in our life, right? Really, any relationship in our life, it, it only grows and prospers as we give time and energy and effort into it. Now, you come into relationship with the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. You come into relationship with them through putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. You come into relationship by calling on Jesus Christ, knowing your need of him, knowing that, knowing that you're helpless and hopeless, and running to Christ, throwing yourself at the foot of the cross and asking Jesus humbly to be the Lord of your life, to come into your heart, to save you from your sin and to bring you to heaven when you die, okay? Um, it's through receiving Jesus Christ as your only Lord and Savior that, that you come into relationship where God the Father becomes your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior and Master and King and God and Husband, as these scriptures tell us. And the Holy Spirit becomes your guide, your comforter, and your counselor. This is a... Um, a vegetable drink, as I've said before, for those watching on YouTube, and it is it is it is possibly the most awful thing that a human being has ever been given to drink. Um, but my wife has me to drink it. My beautiful and lovely wife may. Um, apparently, it's for my health in some way. So that's what that glass is. Um, it's hard to get down. So if I drink it while I'm doing the teaching, it kind of distracts me. Does that make sense? And pretty soon it's all, it's all gone. And, and then I've done my duty in drinking the drink, Scott. So there we have it. All right. Well, Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. Father, we just thank you for this gospel of John. And Father, we just above all, thank you for Jesus. 
We thank you for not only the word of God, but the son of God, Jesus Christ, our only Lord and savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear in Jesus name. Amen and amen. All right. Verse 22. After this, and after this is after the conversation Jesus just had with Nicodemus. We did, I believe we did three teachings, right, Stephen, on, uh, on Nicodemus and, uh, and just the conversations and the ramifications, immense ramifications on the conversations with Nicodemus and the need for spiritual rebirth. So after this, um, it says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. So it's interesting here. Um, it says, now John also was baptizing at Anan near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. So it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing, okay? Um, this, is not, this is not Christian baptism here, okay? Um, John the Baptism baptized, it was called a baptism of repentance or uh, certainly a baptism for, for purification, right? Um, you know, people were going out to John, they were repenting of their sins and, you know, they were being baptized. And again, it was a, it was a baptism that, that symbolized their heart to live a more godly and, and holy life, Right. Um, and so this is the, the baptism that Jesus and his disciples are doing as well. Okay. Now you're going to remember if you go to Matthew 28, right. Um, you know, Jesus is going to tell them in verses, uh, 18 to 20, um, after he's raised from the dead, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. So as Christians, when we're baptized, okay, when we, after we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Jesus has called us to be baptized, and that's a baptism where we're, our entire body is in the water. It's like the water would be up to here, you know, I'm pointing above my stomach, and I'd be sitting in the baptismal tank or in the in the river, like we did it when we were in Africa, right, Jess? Um, and you lower the person down into the water. And when they go down into the water, it symbolizes their identification with the death of Jesus Christ. That their old man, the old sinful man, the, the, the man or woman before they came to Christ and believed in Christ and trusted in Christ, the old man, the sinful man, when you go into the water, it symbolizes identification with the death of Christ. Your old man is left dead in the water. When you come up out of the water, it symbolizes your identification with the resurrection life of Christ, your identification with the risen Christ. As Jesus was raised from the dead, when you come up out of the water, the baptismal waters, again, that's a, symbol, that's a symbolism um, that you've been raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And that's something every Christian should do after you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, that's not what's happening here. Here they are being baptized. They are being immersed in the water. But this is, again, a baptism of repentance now. This is, 
this is not a baptism where people were coming out and putting their faith in Jesus Christ and trusting Jesus Christ, but they were following the revelation that they did have. These were people who were, were coming, and it says they were constantly coming to be baptized. So people were just constantly coming out, and they were wanting to live a more godly life. Okay, Now, Jesus is on the scene, and it's interesting that he's baptizing as well. So Jesus and his disciples are doing a baptism, you know, the same as John. So they would, they would go to Jesus and say, you know, I, I just want to live my life, you know, for God in a more, in a more God-centered way. And, you know, they would profess their, their, their desires. They would confess their, that they had been sinful and they would be baptized. And those, those baptismal waters would, again, would symbolize forgiveness of sins. Now, it's important we understand that although Jesus was doing this, all these people who were baptized needed to trust in Christ as their only Lord and Savior, because baptism doesn't save us. No baptism of any form saves us. By saving us, I mean, does it forgive us of our sins or bring us to heaven when we die? Nothing we can do saves us, only trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus Christ desperately clinging to Jesus Christ, knowing he's our only hope, knowing we're helpless without him. Only Jesus Christ saves us. Nothing we do saves us. So even these people that were being baptized, you know, they still needed to trust in Jesus Christ, trust in the Messiah to save them for the forgiveness of their sins and the salvation of their soul. Um, but again, this would have been a, you know, just a, a good thing to go through and to go do as it symbolized them wanting to live their life better for God. Just like for you and I as Christians, after we've given our life to Christ, we ought to be baptized in, in labor to obey Jesus and live our lives for Christ more and more and more and more. That's why we just read in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded, which is to say, you know, we believe in Jesus Christ, we're baptized, and we spend our life growing to obey everything it says in the Word of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. What's interesting is that, uh, that Jesus is willing to do this. Remember, Jesus Christ is full-blown God. And, you know, he begins to take on this ministry of baptizing and his disciples are baptizing um, with him. But what's interesting is John doesn't stop doing his job because Jesus has become begun baptizing as well. Verse 23, now John also was baptizing at Anan near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. So you see that John the Baptist has done his job. John the Baptist has pointed to Christ. He was the forerunner, the Lord. He was born six months before Jesus. He's Jesus's cousin. And he has done his job in pointing people to Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior, as the Christ, right? Um, but after Jesus now he's done that, and Jesus is off doing his ministry, and Jesus is baptizing. John doesn't stop doing his. And that's an important principle for us, okay? We want to continue to do the work the Lord has given us to do. 
And we see that John does that here. He doesn't stop doing the work that he's been doing in baptizing. Jesus is now doing it as well. And as we're going to see, you know, pretty much everyone now is starting to run after Jesus, even, even John's disciples. Um, we had, we had uh, in chapter one, you know, we had read where um, Andrew and Nathaniel and Peter um, and, uh, and John, all John's disciples actually went and followed Jesus and didn't follow, uh, you know, Andrew and John, who John who wrote this book, were disciples of John the Baptist and they left and they followed, uh, they followed Jesus and didn't follow John anymore. So, and, and that's really the meaning, that's what all of us need to be doing as ministers. Verse 24. This was before John was put in prison. So, you know, we're going to find out later that John the Baptist is going to be imprisoned because he rebukes the, the king, Herod, um, for taking his, marrying his brother, his brother's wife. And John tells him it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And she was a very bitter woman and... And uh, the king arrests him, but the king feared John. Herod feared John. So, and ultimately, you know, although Herod feared him, he gets caught up in a, in a situation where he's where he's had too much to drink, and and you know his wife's uh, daughter, who used to be his brother's wife, and so their daughter was dancing for them, and he promised to give her anything. And this girl goes to her mother, and the mother said, "Ask for the head of John the Baptist." And uh, at that, John the, John the Baptist is beheaded, and he never gets out of prison. And uh, that's, that's a whole other teaching. But uh, so verse 24 speaks of that. This was before John was put in prison. Verse 25, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. So, and, and you see this everywhere. There, there's... So apparently, you know, this was probably a Jewish leader that that came to, to, to John the Baptist, John the Baptist disciples, and they're having some some kind of theological debate about what's right and what's wrong. Um, and, I'll, and I'll say this. I mean, in the church today, we 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 can major on this sometimes. OK, hopefully we've all heard the saying that as a body of Christ, OK, we have. There's countless, uh, the established denominations, I think there's 1,100. It's not going to be any denominations in heaven. What's a denomination? Catholic or Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Episcopalian, Lutheran. Um, all of these are denominations, okay? They're not going to have that in heaven. It's because we can't get along here, okay? Um, it's our job to rightly divide the word of truth, we talked about that in Bible study this morning, right, Wade? To rightly divide the word of truth and to teach the word of God plainly. We have to agree on the essentials and we can agree to disagree on the non-essentials. But we need to teach the word of God plainly. Whatever's plain, we need to declare as plain. We need to teach as plain. If things are, are not as clear we can we can teach you know whatever you know whatever are the different views on it, but we have to agree to the essentials. What are essentials? 
All human beings are sinful. The Bible says it clearly, unambiguously. Jesus Christ is the only way to have our sins forgiven. To come into relationship with God and to ultimately go to heaven when I die. Only in Jesus Christ can I have the, the forgiveness of my sins and the salvation of my soul. That's unambiguous in the Bible. Okay, It says it clearly throughout the scriptures. Jesus himself in John 14, 6 said, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. The Bible says that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that there's nothing we can do to earn it. These are essentials that we have to agree on. Then there are many biblical doctrines that are non-essentials that you do want to study, you do want to understand the Word of God, but we ought not have absolute dogma in those doctrines. And certainly we see it here, an argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. Again, this is probably tied to the baptisms and how John's disciples and John was doing the baptisms and how they thought baptisms were to be done. Or it could have been that they didn't even think that John should be doing the baptisms, right? You know how that is, right? It's that sometimes people just want certain people or certain pastors or certain elders to be the ones that are doing the work, right? Um, none of it biblical, okay? Um, if you're a Christian today, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are called to be a minister, okay? You're called to do the work of Christ. You're called to understand the Word of God better and better and better and better. You're called to teach the Word of God. Now, perhaps not you're called to be a, a, a pastor at a church, or maybe you're not called to teach publicly, but every one of us is called to know the Scriptures and to encourage one another and others in the Scriptures and to do that more and more and more and more, okay? You don't need permission to do that. Um, you're called to do it by the very fact that you've received Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So again, this, they're having this disagreement. And it says in verse 26, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, he's talking about Jesus, the one you testified about. You remember John testified about Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? You saw it in chapter one. Um, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Wow. This is, this is, this is amazing. John's disciples, so again, John the Baptist had many disciples, but more and more and more and more, Jesus's ministry is growing and growing and growing, right? Ultimately, there'll be crowds of thousands following Jesus. It says, well, his disciples come to him and say, well, he is baptizing and everyone's going to him. Sometimes it's hard when we're ministers, when we're preachers, when we're teachers, sometimes it can be very hard when 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 people leave. It, we we take it personal when people leave, you know, our ministry or our church, um, you know, or our fold or our Bible study. Um, 
But and, and there's nothing wrong specifically with leaving a particular ministry or church or Bible study. But if you're going to do that, you need to be don't wherever you're going. It needs to be a place that's talking about Jesus and the word of God at least as much. OK, you don't want to leave a church. You don't want to leave a ministry. Um, you, you, you don't want to leave a Bible study to do less. Right, Nathan? If you're going to, to leave your church, you need you need to be going to a place where they're talking about the scriptures at least as much. You don't want to go to a place where they have less Bible and less Jesus is what I'm saying. And, and all too often that is the case. But the point here, everyone is running after Jesus. And John's disciples are a little bothered by this because they don't understand really who Jesus is. But when we look at John's, uh, John's reply here, it really is a, a very moving and blessed. And uh, it's really an incredible example. Look what he says in verse 27. To this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. To this, John replied, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. Think about that. That's the case in every one of our lives. A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. John's disciples are a little bit, you know, a little bit concerned that that everybody is running after Jesus. And John says, this whole ministry that I have, all of it has only come from the God of heaven. All of it's come from above. Whatever ministry, John understands that whatever ministry he's been given to do, that's been run not by him, but by the Holy Spirit. It's been given to him by God. So it, it's the same for us today. Wherever you are in your walk with Jesus Christ, and if, if you and I are leaders in the body of Christ today, we can only receive what's been given us from heaven. But more important than anything, our ministry is to magnify Jesus more and more and more and more, and for us to become less and less and less and less. And certainly we live in a time uh, in the body of Christ today, in the church today, around the world, where never has this been a bigger problem. Never have we had a, a bigger problem, um, and, and we're all guilty of it as ministers, of drawing people unto ourselves. As ministers, we can, we can often want people to be attracted to us and our ministry and everything we're doing, our church um, but it, it isn't about us. It's not about me. It's not about a pastor or an elder or a deacon or a bishop or a pope. It's about Jesus. Our job is to, is to help people to run after Jesus. They said everyone's running after him. And John doesn't get jealous because that's the meaning of why he came. Look at verse 28. He tells his disciples, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am, but am sent ahead of him. 
John is not the Christ. I'm not the Christ. You're not the Christ. None of us are the Christ. Everyone needs to be going after Jesus, running after Jesus. And it's our job, as John the Baptist faithfully did, to point people to Jesus, that they might come to know Jesus. That's the purpose of everything we do. Every single thing we do, Peyton, is about pointing people to Jesus. That's all that matters, Esther. Pointing people to Jesus Christ, Rebecca, is all that matters. For every single Christian in the world today, our job is not to to point people to ourselves, but to Jesus Christ. Our ministry should be about pointing people to Jesus Christ, exhorting people in Jesus Christ, encouraging people in Jesus Christ, and to those who are not saved, telling them consistently their desperate need of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. We're not the Christ. Verse 29, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. It's amazing. That's a heavy word from John the Baptist. John the Baptist said that joy is mine and it is now complete. And it's not going to be long before John is arrested and put in prison and beheaded. He has finished the call of God on his life. And he's joyful about it. He is joyful that everyone is running after Jesus. The joy is mine. He says, I'm not the Christ, verse 28. I'm sent ahead of the Christ. And then John has this understanding. This is a profound statement of John's understanding that Jesus is full-blown God. In the Old Testament, Jehovah, you know, the name for God, Jehovah was known as the, the husband of Israel. Israel would have been the bride of Jehovah, and she was constantly unfaithful. And you can read that in the book of Hosea, of how Israel was unfaithful to the one true God, to Jehovah. But Jehovah was the bridegroom, the husband of Israel. And so when John says the bride belongs to the bridegroom, he understands that 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 all the people that are running after Jesus, they belong to Jesus. They are the bride of Jesus. He's the bridegroom, John the Baptist is saying, not me. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. They're, they're, they're like, they're upset that everyone's running after Jesus. And he's, he's telling them they need to be running after Jesus because Jesus is their bridegroom. They're the bride of Christ. Y'all remember as Christians were called the bride of Christ, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. And John the Baptist, John the Baptist recognizes that that he's the friend, right? He's like the best man, right? Oftentimes the best man, certainly in those days, and even now will do some things regarding the wedding, right? Um, And do different things to help prepare for the wedding. And John the Baptist, you see this picture, help prepare for the wedding by pointing people to Jesus, right? Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, right? He said in chapter 1. And so you see, John the Baptist understands when he says Jesus is 
the bridegroom, he understands that Jesus is God. Because that's not, you would never have said that the bride belongs to the bridegroom. You would never say all these people belong to a human being, right? So John knows that Jesus is God. Wow. It's just a beautiful, beautiful line. He says, the friend is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He has complete joy because people are running after Jesus. And as we said, he has fulfilled the call of God in his life. It's been completed and he's going to be taken home to heaven very shortly. Verse 30, he must become greater. I must become less. And again, that's, that's everything right there. John is saying to his disciples now, he's looking at his disciples and saying, he must become more important to you and I must become less important. Your pastor should not be more important to you than Jesus. Everything has to become less important than Jesus. Your children should not be more important to you than Jesus. Of course, you need to care for your children and raise them in a, in a Christ-like way, right? pointing them to Jesus all the time. It's the most important thing you can do for them. But nothing is more important than Christ. Now, again, it doesn't mean we don't love our children, we don't bless them, we don't care for them. We, we need to do all those things. But this John 3.30 is one of the most important verses in the Bible because he must become greater and I must become less. In my own life, Jesus must become greater and I must become less. When I'm ministering to people or talking to people, Jesus must become more important. I must become less important. And as I said, John is saying to his disciples, everyone is running after him and you need to be as well because he needs to become more important to you and I need to become less. Our ministry, our church, Bible studies, all of these things are important. But what matters most is people run after Jesus more and more and more. Father, we thank you again for the living word of God. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for letting us study your word. We thank you, Father, for Jesus Christ, our husband, our bridegroom, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are the bride of Christ. We thank you for your love and your mercy that you've given us. We thank you for the example we have in John the Baptist, of such a humble man who doesn't hold on to just, uh, you know, his flock. We thank you for his desire to point his flock to Jesus. And I ask you to help us as Christians and as ministers to do that more and more and more and more. Father, we love you and we bless you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, go lead us. We pray and guide us now as we go forth in Jesus' name, amen and amen.